0: Welcome in to the Bet US College Football Show. It is Week Three and it is Part Two. That's right, it is the Wednesday Show, September Fourteenth. I'm your host, Gary Seegers. You can follow me on Twitter at GaryWCE. And man, do we have a lot of games to discuss today. Before we do, let me go ahead and introduce the experts. Of course, today we're going to start on the right side, and hopefully, we are on the right side on all these picks. I know that's a cheesy cliche joke, but I'm going to continue to tell it every time. Uh, but we've got Kyle Hunter on the right side of your screen. He is at KyleHunterPicks on Twitter. He's our professional, award-winning handicapper. Kyle, how you feeling about today's slate, my friend? I'm
1: feeling good, Gary. I was going to ask you if you're going to do that every week or
0: not. Every but, time. but I'm all right with it. You know,
1: I mean, let's see if it keeps working.
0: Hey, so far, uh, over 70% against the number. Yeah, I'm going to keep things rolling. You notice I'm wearing the same shirts over and over again. <laughs> I don't believe so you. So I will continue. <laughs> Uh, on uh, On the left side of the screen, the big beard here, the numbers guy, the analyst, the numerical guru, as I call him, Parker Fleming. He's at Stats of War on Twitter. Parker, what are the numbers telling you, man?
2: Uh man, I I honestly it was a super weird week of games. There's some some just strange matchups where it's was like, oh, I really gotta think about this for a little bit. But I think we got some value here and um definitely uh some really good football matchups, some really good kind of points of emphasis we'll get into today as we're thinking about these games and thinking about how to watch them as football fans and also invest in them smartly. So excited to uh excited to dive into it today.
0: Oh most most certainly. Now let me go ahead and remind everybody, we do have a good number of people watching, so go ahead and like the video for us. I'm going to remind you to do that multiple times, so if you don't do it right now, that's fine. But hit that thumbs up button for us if you would so kindly. And along with that, subscribe to the channel. That's uh, the biggest thing. Make sure that you are subscribed. Hit that notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live each and every time out. And that would be Tuesdays and Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. You don't want to miss the live show because these lines move drastically, it feels, once we get done with the show. For whatever reason, whenever we get off the air, I see a ton of line movement, so you want to be here right when we give out these picks. Make sure that you hop in on them there. If you can't view it live, of course, you want the game analysis, you can always do that and get it on the podcast as well. That is the BetUS Football Show. That's the NFL feed and the college football feed right there together. Now... Let's go ahead and recap our record thus far on the season. We like to be as transparent as possible, and it's easy to do that when we are having good weeks, and we have had three good weeks in a row here. Uh, so far on the season, overall, 26-11. and 11. That is 70.27% against the number. I am sitting at 10-4. and four. Parker is also 10-4. and four. Kyle is 6-3. and three. All of us are doing well. Things are going good. Uh, I do want to go ahead and remind everybody, I will be on the BetUS TV Three Dog Thursday show on Thursday morning. Make sure and check it out over on the main channel. If you're not already subscribed over there, fantastic content for all kinds of different sports. Go and check it out the BetUS TV main channel. But Three Dog Thursday, it is a competition, a handicapping competition, and I went three and zero the first week, two and one last week. So I have knocked out both of my competitors, and I will continue on representing the College Football Show into week three. I am excited about knocking that one out for Thursday morning. Now, gentlemen, let's dive into the games. Game number one here, we have Vanderbilt headed to northern Illinois, and the Huskies are a a two-and-a-half-point home favorite here. The latest line, courtesy of BetUS, the total sits at 58. It's at Husky Stadium in DeKalb, Illinois. It's a 3.30 p.m. Eastern time game on CBS Sports Network. Now, Kyle, I'm going to start off with you on this. Uh, Vandy has looked pretty good. Northern Illinois, uh, it's still about the same. They're playing these tight ball games. What have you got on this one?
1: Yeah, I mean, first of all, I was putting my notes together last night, Gary, and I thought, uh-oh, we're talking about Northern Illinois again because I mean, they were they were tough to figure out last year. Got a little bit worried when I was putting these notes together No, But, I mean, you know, I I think Vandy has played pretty well to start the season. They they really weren't very good last week against Wake Forest. But Wake Forest is a good team. Vandy was two for 13 on third down in that one. Um, I feel fortunate that we did cash that over last week. Uh, Wake Forest did most of the heavy lifting for that one, certainly. Uh, The offense really struggled in that game overall for Vanderbilt. They had three turnovers uh northern illinois gave up 6.8 yards per play against eastern illinois and then 6.2 yards per play against tulsa and thomas hammock said coming into the season the defense would be a lot better Um, so this is the game where they really need to show that because the early results haven't been great there they've passed the ball well um really they haven't played terribly overall but their defense hasn't been that much improved uh lombardi and Wright are having pretty good seasons uh at quarterback i think both of these teams are playing at a slow pace Uh, i would be a little bit concerned about an over though because i think both of them are playing slow enough uh at this point i think they're trying to hide their defense uh, at least to some degree so um you know four point line move on the total down uh people seeing that change of pace here for these two teams vandy actually played kind of fast in that first game against hawaii i guess it's kind of easy to play quick and score a lot of points against hawaii but then things have changed here of late Both teams could still hit some big gainers, though, in my opinion. So I wouldn't feel comfortable taking under 58. Uh, You know, I've got nothing really strong on this game. I, to be honest, uh, the line movement in this one on the side kind of surprises me here.
0: Uh, Most certainly. I mean, it opened at one and a half. Uh, It's now out to two and a half. And like you said, the total opened 61 and a half, jumped to 62 for a brief minute and then jumped all the way down to 58. I mean, it was hit pretty hard, four total points. Uh, Parker, let's let's get your opinion on this one. I'm I'm very curious. Northern Illinois looks to be a different team this year, even though they've got a lot of the same pieces. Uh, what are you seeing from the Huskies and the Commodores?
2: I hope that y'all are ready for the N.I.U. Vandy deep dive that that no one else is going to do, because I, I really was interested in this um, one. Kyle, I will say in regards to that over last week, put some respect on A.J. Swan's name came in two scoring drives for Vanderbilt there. Uh 72.7% completion, 13.3 yards per attempt, really good performance in maybe some time that didn't uh you know matter as much, but they made a change and I think we have a genuine quarterback controversy uh brewing at at Vanderbilt. Um Clark Lee made some comments where he was um not going to address you know, the performance, but he was happy with it. So we might see some change up at quarterback for Vandy there. The side of the ball I'm really looking at is Northern Illinois offense. I think that um, last season they did play that kind of close one score game defense and the offense just did enough to keep up. The offense also rushed really, really well last season. And um, they're, they're, they're rushing substantially worse this year. One big set that I had Brown, the running back returns. He averaged 3.91 yards after contact per rush last season. Almost four yards after he got hit. That's that is how you that's how you move the ball when your offense isn't doing too great. This season he's only at 2.03. So the reason that's interesting to me is Vanderbilt has. 25 missed tackles in three games, but they had 11 against Wake Forest and Wake Forest thrives on a lot of that yards after contact. So that makes me a little bit nervous about Vandy's ability to stop the rush, which really opens up that pass game. The, the Northern Illinois pass game, I really think is something worth talking about on offense. Um, you've got, you know, Rocky Lombardi looking a little bit better, higher dot by almost two yards, higher completion percentage, um, looking, looking a little bit better this season. And they have some really, you know, some dudes at the wide receiver. Tucker and Thornton uh, combined for 51% of targets super productive. The guy that I think will be the kind of linchpin for Vandy's defense, right? A lot of teams can cover one guy. Sometimes they can get that secondary option. If you have that tertiary option, that can really mess with you. Uh, look for Northern Illinois' Kasper Rukovic. I hope I'm doing that correctly. He plays in the slot. He has two touchdowns, 15 yards per reception. A really nice kind of underneath and red zone option for them there. So Lombardi has a lot more weapons. It seems like they've opened up the passing game a little bit. We've seen Vanderbilt against uh, FBS competition, and they really haven't looked great. I'm worried that this quarterback controversy is kind of the starting of the unraveling. Um, you know, they played, uh, some, some really bad competition to start. We're able to look good, but if that comes apart, um, it'll be because that offense loses its identity because neither quarterback can do what they're asking them to do against FBS competition. So no lean here just because, uh, or sorry, no play here just because Northern Illinois rushing has looked so bad, but Vandy's tackling Vandy's question marks on the offense. I, I would understand, uh, picking Northern Illinois, but in these G5 P5 splits, especially with so much uncertainty about quality of competition, I'm a little wary of making an official play.
0: I am going to make an official play. I'm going to ride with Vanderbilt on this one. I do trust either one of these quarterbacks against this Northern Illinois defense. The defense has been questionable at best against not great competition thus far. Uh, Vanderbilt against Wake Forest, yes, we understand that because Wake Forest is a good football team. But against everybody else, Vandy's been able to put up points. I fully expect him to be able to put up points against Northern Illinois. The offense... For Northern, you brought up Rocky Lombardi looking good thus far, and he is—he's being incredibly efficient. Number fourteen in PPA per pass right now, but this team is only passing forty-three percent of the time, which really drives me. When you find something that works, why you wouldn't continue to do that more? Uh, drives me But it's only a couple of games. Uh, you know, we're still early in the season. We'll figure this out. Uh, the line does look a little screwy to me, but I'm gonna—I'm gonna buy right into it. It's gone from one and a half down to two and a half already. It's moving against me. I don't care. I think Vanderbilt's going to win this football game. So I'm going to take Vandy plus the two and a half on this one. And I'm going to make it official. Yes, that's right. (laughs) So official play for me, Vandy plus two and a half here. Uh, I think they win the game outright. So I will certainly take the points. Let's move along to another 3.30 p.m. Eastern time game. This one's on Fox. BYU heads to Oregon. That's right. Brigham Young, a three and a half point road dog in Eugene, and everybody knows how crazy Autzen Stadium is, but the total sits at 58 over at BetUS right now. BYU 1 and 4 against the spread on the road, but they have played really well in their September games. They're 4 and 1 against the spread in their last 5 in September. Oregon, 2 and 5 against the spread in their last 7 non-conference games. Uh, 8 2 and 1 against the spread. After a spread win. So they they did cover the spread last week. They scored 70 points on Eastern Washington. Looked really good. BYU got the win last week over Baylor late night without Romney and without Nakua. That's definitely good. Uh, They've looked great in the first two weeks. But, you know, late in that game, the Baylor lines started to look better against BYU. BYU got a little banged up, etc. And you come into this one after watching Oregon just get demolished in week one. BYU has two really good wins thus far on the season. It it looks a little funny, right? Uh, they maybe Oregon comes in and takes out their Georgia frustration here. Uh, Bo Nix, I mean, look, dynamite last week, 28 out of 33 for 277 yards and five tutties. But this is this is a very interesting game. Can BYU get up emotionally for this one after having such a big home win? Uh, in a revenge spot last week. That's my question. Kyle, I want to lead off with you on this. Um, does Oregon want to put on a national show <laughs> on national TV after that Oregon, excuse me, after the uh, the Georgia beatdown a couple of weeks ago? That's, that's kind of what I'm looking at here. Uh, what do you see in this one?
1: Well, I mean, they probably do. The question is, can they in a game like this? Because BYU is a pretty good team. Uh, I watched a lot of that Baylor-BYU game last weekend. I was struck by a couple things. First, Uh, Baylor's offense really struggled in that game, and BYU's defense impressed me quite a bit. Uh, Blake Shapin has potential for for Baylor, but he has to be put in the right spot. At the end of the game, Shapin just threw it out of the back of the end zone on fourth down, the final play. It's like, at least give your guy a chance. I realize we're not uh, talking Baylor here in this one, but there were a couple things about that that kind of bugged me uh, Was Shapin's decision-making, certainly. Uh, Having said that, I think BYU's defense looked much better than what we saw last year from them. They did return everybody. I was kind of questioning whether that defense would be that much better. They have been a lot better here so far this year. Uh, they placed an emphasis in the offseason on not giving up explosive plays. And in their first two games, they've allowed only three plays of 20 yards or more, which is fantastic. That's about as good as anybody in the country. Uh, really good stuff. If you look at Oregon stats, third down offense and defense stand out. They're at 58.62% on third down conversion so far on offense. And they're allowing 61% uh, to opponents converting third down. Obviously, neither one of these are sustainable. That game against Georgia really kind of messed up their stats quite a bit. Uh, Georgia's uh, offense kind of punked their defense so badly that Oregon's defensive stats so far this year are badly skewed. Now, will BYU's two-star receivers play here? I think that that has a lot to do with whether I want to bet the game or not because. Uh, I don't think BYU is overwhelmed by this environment. They've played in a lot of tough places. I think Satake's a good coach. Um, And and to be honest with you, uh, I would certainly lean BYU's way in this game, but I want to know if those two are going to play because those two star receivers could be really key in a game like this. Oregon's offense, how much do we trust them? I know they put up a big number last week. I don't know that that matters very much, but uh, my lean here in this game would be BYU.
0: And that's my lean as well on this. Yes, I do want to know about the wide receivers. But I, I'm curious about Oregon. Like, I really want to know exactly what this team is because I don't think that we saw what they can be in week one against Georgia. I mean, they just came out and flat got dominated immediately. Uh, Parker, let's toss it over to you. You know, can, can Oregon hold up in the trenches against BYU? I guess that's the biggest question. And, you know, I, I ask this question every single year about BYU being able to come off of a big win and go right into another game, BYU treats themselves as a P5 program, as a national program. They're up for every game, it seems like, and yet I still question it time and time again. What are your thoughts on this one?
2: This one's super interesting to me. I I, I do think it's important to note that BYU did beat Baylor without two of their best receivers, with a little bit of... of, of um... Charity to Baylor there. Uh, Monterey Baldwin went out and was kind of not a threat for them downfield. So not really uh, full strength on Baylor's offense, although they were replacing a lot of production anyway. So it's not like that was a sure thing that he would have been more explosive had he been in. But it is it is fair to say that BYU um, was able to limit the explosive offense and consider that that Baldwin wasn't there. uh, 11 of 26 targets went uh, to tight ends and, and and uh, running backs for Baylor last week against BYU. So they really were able to shut out that outside game. I'm interested to see how Oregon who uh, this season so far has, has thrown 51% of targets to tight ends and, and running backs. It's a little bit more designed. It's a little less checked down. They're not catering to their quarterback maybe as much um, and see if they can generate some more of that short game that Baylor really couldn't get going to free up those, those potential explosive passes. Um, on the flip side, uh, Chase Jordan, is a dude um 122 yards 15.3 yards per reception just an excellent game uh you know in in key moments it really felt like byu's offense uh was really good on the scripted drive and then really good in like two minute situations but outside of that You know, they punted five or six times in a row. It was was pretty – it stalled pretty hard there for a little bit. But they do have the offensive line to give uh, Jaron Hall some time to make those throws. And they do have guys that can go get it downfield when when Hall makes those throws. So, we'll be interesting to see – you know, if if Oregon can get enough pressure sustainably to not let those deep routes develop, that when Baylor, Baylor changed up their pressure, of course, Ron Roberts is always so good with that, and Hall was a little more uncomfortable, he couldn't get those downfield routes to develop, but once BYU adjusted with their passing scheme, uh, their pass block scheme, was able to kind of get down there, so that's the big matchup for me, is can... Um, BYU's offensive line hold up against Oregon's defense to give Hall the the uh, the option here to get those downfield routes. Um, o- overall, I think that BYU is is taking strides on defense. Um, it, the passing game might be a little overinflated from what Blake Shapin was evidently capable of doing mental processing wise. It felt like they really had to rear him back in and did not trust him at the late, like at the end of the game, they did not trust him to throw the <laughs> ball at all, even to find their big tight end big Ben Sims. So um, uh, adjust that, that BYU passing defense a little bit with that number, but did look very competent and good teams beat bad teams. So was impressed with that. I think the the, the key there will be, can BYU play consistent enough to capitalize on Oregon's inherent chaotic instability, which we've seen whether they start Bo Nix or Ty Thompson there. Um, I have this as a slight lean towards BYU. I'm worried again about G5, P5 on the road um, matchups here. So I don't have a strong play, but I, I think a lean towards BYU would be fine, especially because um, that defense does look to be a little bit better. And that offense is every bit as explosive as you'd want it to be.
0: Most certainly you brought up an interesting stat with Baylor last week, not trusting Chapin. Uh Yeah. Fourth quarter, 13 runs to four passes. For Baylor, they uh, they certainly went more of the running direction, uh, even though it really has not been quite as successful as the past. So, uh, yeah, no, no official pick on this one, but we will we will all lean towards BYU and, and we're going to use this for another data point. <laughs> we will certainly do that. Uh, let me go ahead and remind everybody, go ahead and like the video for us, if you would so kindly. And I see a lot of people in the chat already. Uh, Raphael, Arbone, Mark, James, Heath, uh, let's see, Rusty, uh, Cameron, et cetera. Go ahead and toss in questions in the chat. We will do a Q&A at the end of the show, as we do every single time out. So go ahead and toss those in there, and uh, make sure that you are subscribed to the channel, if you have not already done so. Let's move along to the next game, and this one, a soon-to-be Big 12 matchup. Kansas heads to Houston and the Cougars are a nine point favorite latest line at bet us. The total sits at 57. This is at TDECU stadium in Houston, and it is a home game for the Cougars. Their first one of the season 4 p.m. Eastern time on ESPNU Parker. I want to start off with you. Uh, Kansas looks like they got a quarterback and Houston has not played all that well. Give me some thoughts here.
2: Okay. I will say, that my heart yet again for the second week in a row wants to bet Kansas but I don't think analytically it's it's enough for me to 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 be confident about it but I understand it I think they did play well last week they scored so many points um including 13 in in overtime which is always very fun to to get that two two touchdown win in in overtime against West Virginia um w- with Kansas um I mean, they, they really caught West Virginia in a bad spot. West Virginia's linebackers didn't look great. Kansas got a pass interference that kind of helped them here and there. I, 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 there were some caveats to that performance. That being said, um, I'm not sure what Houston is, is doing here. Um, Houston is starting slow and expecting to just win in the second half and they're digging holes and they're putting these marginal positions and then they can't make anything out of it. Last week, um, 58.1% of Clayton tunes dropbacks were pressured. He was blitzed 48% of the time. They were really able to disrupt Clayton tune kind of make that offense work for it. And, and Texas tech tech was, and, and Houston really couldn't dig out of that. So what I'm interested to see is can Kansas get uh, pressure against Clayton tune? Can they kind of change that equilibrium? They've got, um, 15% pressure rate Phelps and Sampson have combined for 11 total. Um, but against West Virginia and JT Daniels in that little more air raid style offense, which is what they'll see versus Houston. They really sat back. They didn't blitz a whole lot. Um, can they get pressure on tune? That's, that's the big question for me on defense. Do they have the depth to be a little bit more intense on defense? Keep up with these athletes that I think, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that West Virginia has a tank Dell or a Matthew golden, um, just some really talented guys there. And so that, the, the the depth issue with Kansas' defense makes me a little bit worried. Um, Jalen Daniels, I, I mean, I think Kansas's offensive line is no worse than Texas Tech's, and they were able to kind of, you know, they, they gave up five sacks against Houston. It felt like Houston's defense played well in, in certain aspects, but in the secondary was a little bit wanting. So it'll be, um, you know, c- can Houston attack that offensive line without you know, totally giving up the back end there is, is where I'm circling this. Uh Kansas has been effective on the past. Jalen Daniels, uh, you know, they're 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 almost a half point in EPA per pass. The big deal is that um Houston, Houston let Texas Tech run a lot, especially let uh, Donovan Smith run. Can they contain Jalen Daniels and contain the run game to get that defense off the field, let that offense work like it's supposed to? Um, super interesting matchup. I think the margin for Kansas last week and and how thin that game was um Really makes this uh, hard for me to play Kansas, and I do think there's a little bit of positive regression coming from Houston. Maybe they won't start, um, you know, getting outscored. What, 31 to 10, I think it was, over the last two games. Um, so maybe they'll maybe they'll start a little faster, and 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 Kansas a little bit of a letdown spot from a huge emotional road win in in conference.
0: I can understand where you're coming from with that. A little positive regression for the Cougs, maybe, uh, Kyle. I am curious your thoughts on all this line movement. Of course, it opened at Houston uh, at nine and then jumped to 10 and now it's back down to nine, but the total has jumped from 63 down to 57. Uh, What are you seeing between these two teams? Is it just pace of play or do we see something with the defenses here?
1: You know, I I thought about taking the over in this game and I still lean to the over in this one quite a bit. I saw a 55 and a half pop there last night and I almost played that to be honest. Uh, You know, If you look at Houston going into the season, I assumed they would be good offensively. There was one question mark for them, and that was their offensive line. I think they've been even worse than what I expected. But even at that, you know, look at Houston. They're 107th in yards per play so far this year, 117th in offensive success rate. If we didn't know what Houston should be going into the season, really both offensively and defensively, you would think this team's just not very good. I mean, they really have not played well at all. They're negative 0.3 yards per play margin, which is 92nd in the country. Uh, Houston needs some help here. I know uh, they have some other guys that should be good, but nobody else has really played very well on the outside. Honestly, I would have never believed you if you told me that's what the stats would be for Houston at this point in the season because I expected good things from their offense. And that had me just a little bit worried to take the over. Uh, You know, like I said, 55 and a half showed just briefly. 57, still lean to the over here. Uh, In fact, my number is 59 here on the total. So uh, I'm still leaning to the over. As far as the side, I had seven on this game. Uh, Did make some adjustments. I think Kansas is a fantastic story. Uh, Leopold's a really good coach and fun to root for. Uh, The program, Kansas, has been down for so long. I like to root for programs like this. It doesn't hurt that I have over two and a half on the season win total for a little bit of money, too. But. Uh, you know, Jalen Daniels is a pretty good quarterback, guys. I think he's still underrated by some people. He ain't bad. You know, this is a guy that, you know, they're like, oh, maybe he's all right. Maybe you can. he's pretty good. And Kansas, um, you know, I will say Kansas in the red zone has been too good so far this year. They 12 touchdowns and 13 trips into the red zone. I mean, this isn't the LSU offense from a few years ago with Burrow. They're not going to be that good in the red zone. So. I lean Kansas in this game because my number here is seven. Houston has to show me something before I trust them. They really haven't been very good. They're supposed to be good. They haven't been so far this year. Um, I I wish this was still at 10, you know, because that 10 is a key number here, certainly. I I certainly would lean toward Kansas in this one. Uh, And really, Kansas averaged 6.4 yards per play last week against West Virginia. I don't know if West Virginia's defense is going to be really good or anything, but I think that's a good showing for Kansas. I think Kansas can move the ball here, Uh, would still lean the over, like I said. And uh, if you like Kansas here, I've seen worse bets than betting a little bit on the money line here. I see plus 260, plus 265 some places. I think there's some variance in a game like this. Now, like Parker said, I'm a bit worried that this is not a great spot for Kansas, and that's why I ended up not pulling the trigger.
0: Yeah, both of the games have come so far for Houston on the road, right? They're getting to come home for the first time. But Kansas has already been in a pretty rough environment in Morgantown last week. And in Morgantown, 5.56 yards per rush against West Virginia. And, I mean, Pitt had, what, I think 3.1 somewhere? on, Or it may have been less than that. Uh, they did not show well. Pitt did not against West Virginia, even at home. And Kansas ran shot over. It. I mean, they were able to do whatever they wanted to. Uh, I, this is a simple handicap here. Houston goes to overtime in every game. It's incredibly difficult to win by double digits when you go to overtime, right? I mean, you got (laughs) simple.
2: Unless you're unless you're Kansas, exactly. Uh, Unless you're Kansas.
0: (laughs) 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 Um, So Houston, for me, like Jalen Daniels,
2: get down at him running that back in overtime. It's like, dude, fall down.
0: (laughs) It was unbelievable. (laughs) Uh, So, so with Houston, what I'm looking at on defense so far. Uh, number 85 PPA per pass. Um, excuse me, no, 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 that's on offense. 85 PPA per pass, number 99 PPA per rush. The offense has not been good. And it's not like they're playing world beaters. UTSA and Texas Tech on defense are not exactly a whole lot to write home about. At Kansas, I'm not saying that they necessarily are, but when you're living on third downs the way that Dana Holgerson's team has, I mean, they're 49% so far on the season. Uh, what I'm seeing here, which here, we'll, we'll do another... Crack joke. Do you smell that? It's a mismatch. And the mismatch is Kansas, number 17 PPA per rush on offense, and Houston, number 106 PPA per rush on defense. There is a mismatch here, and I like Kansas. I like Kansas a lot. I liked them at 10. I've already betted at 10, uh, but I still like it at 9. I think they can win the game, and anything over a touchdown, I feel fantastic about. So, yeah, give me the Jayhawks. Make it official. I am writing with kansas i like the culture that leipold is building there uh we'll see if he stays there (laughs) i hope he does but yeah kansas at houston i like it They, they have already gone on the road and proven it to me i feel good about it so official play there kansas plus nine for me all right reminder here the podcast everybody go ahead and make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast jump into the chat for the q a of course we got quite a few people keith Paul, uh, OU Yardbird, etc. You guys jump in with your questions. We will do a Q&A at the end of the show. Like the video. We are already at 72 likes. Uh, we got a lot more people watching. So go ahead and make sure that you like the video for us. We, uh, we try and set new records every time out. So yesterday, big record. Uh, we're hoping we can match it again today. So go ahead and like the video for us. And, of course, subscribe to the channel. Hit the notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live. Every Tuesday and Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. All right. Uh, If you did not catch yesterday's show, make sure and go back and catch that, because we did cover eight games yesterday, and it was a lot of fun. So make sure that you go check those out. This one is an interesting game. SMU heading to Maryland, and the Terrapins are a four-point favorite at home. The total at 73-and-a-half. This one, of course, in College Park, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on FS1. It's a night game. Should be a lot of fun up there. Kyle, I want to start off with you on this one. SMU looks like they have not changed a thing with bringing in Rhett Lashley. Between Sonny Dykes and him, it looks like the same kind of offense. Obviously, they work together. But this team looks really good. And Maryland, of course, the offense is rolling. But we got questions on the defense. Kyle, what are your thoughts on this one?
1: I think that this there's going to be a lot of points, but so do the odds makers. You know, uh, this this total has gone up and it's gone up a little bit too much for me. There's been a lot of line movement on these games here this week. It's it's been very difficult. Uh, personally, it's been frustrating because you know I like something and it moves six or seven points and it's like okay, so I got to reevaluate. Um, two great passing attacks in this one against weak secondaries. I think SMU is a good defensive front. I think they're not a very good secondary. Uh, Maryland. Probably not a great defense in general. Uh, Maryland has been good in non-con games, but that's typically been beating up on weak opponents, honestly. You know, Loxley's teams have ran up the score on quite a few teams since he's been there. I I do think they'll score points in quite a few here, you know, with uh, Talia and those wide receivers. And Maryland's wide receivers are excellent. I mean, really deep, uh, very, very good group there. I think they'll score quite a few points here against SMU. But SMU, on the other side, put up almost 600 yards of offense against North Texas. Pretty impressive showing. Mordecai's a really good fit in this offense. Uh, you know, he, He's not skipping a beat here. Maryland's defensive numbers look pretty good so far this year, but they played Buffalo and Charlotte. So that doesn't tell us anything. You know, I, I'm not impressed by that so far. Uh, I don't think that preps you for SMU. The offenses have big advantages. I still lean to the over, even at this ridiculously high number. Maryland is playing relatively slowly, though. And once you give me a team that's playing at a slower-than-average pace and you get a total in the mid-70s, oh, man, it's so hard to take it then. You know, to you have a lot of really big plays. I see this as a coin flip game, could go to either team. So I'd take the points here if I'm betting this one against the spread.
0: I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, SMU, I mean, again, Mordecai. Uh, Rasheed Rice, et cetera, like so far, so good. Everything looks great early for SMU and all of the different advertisements that they've put out, the promos with the, uh, the Pony Express and all that kind of, I mean, it's been beautiful. The way that they have marketed has been gorgeous. Uh, Parker, I, I look at this and I'm seeing net points per drive. I mean, these two, SMU's number eight, Maryland's number nine. Look at points per play. SMU's number 8, Maryland's number 10. I mean it's points galore and yeah, when I look at the roster strength, I don't think these two teams are that far off. I know it's a P5 G5, but I don't think this is that different. So, uh, give me give me some thoughts here because I I think if I'm getting points with either of these teams, I'm probably going that direction.
2: Definitely. Um, yeah, I, I have this as the number four EPA per pass offense just on this year's stats alone and and uh, for SMU and Maryland as number seven. So going to be some high volume there. I, I like what you said um, about SMU's front. I do think that they're a little bit better than their back half. But the big issue for me is going to be who can score last, right? Like this is going to be um, very, very much a who can hold on. And and so I like SMU as an underdog here with the points for, for one big reason, um, multiplicity right now they have six guys with five plus targets. So more than more than five targets this season, they've always had a bunch of guys. They've always worked in a lot of people on offense and um, Rashi Rice is the leader. There is, you know, 26 targets leading the team is, is an excellent receiver uh, calls a lot of attention, which really opens those secondary guys. Uh, to to score. And my concern is 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 just more so that is Maryland going to be able to match up uh, across the board with all of these options that SMU has at receiver. Um on the flip side I I like Tagovailoa for Maryland. I think he's fun. I don't know if he's good per se. That's that's a philosophical question. Um this season he has 7 for 10 on balls 20 plus yards downfield, but 5 of 6 of those came against Charlotte. So um Uh, That is only what it is worth, right? Especially because Charlotte had already gotten beaten up and some things are going south there as well. So quality of competition, obviously, for both these teams. But I think North Texas has a pulse and North Texas has um, Phil Bennett uh, as defensive coordinator. And he did a great job in in week one against UTEP, kind of uh, counterpunching and stopping Gavin Hardinson and UTEP. So I like Um, that SMU is still able to move the ball against them, even with a good defensive mind there for for North Texas. I'm encouraged by that. I think there'll be a lot of points. I like this at three and a half. I actually have this um, just raw numbers as SMU is a favorite. Again, G5, P5 makes me a little bit nervous, but the high potency offense, I think, is going to translate for both teams. I would lean towards an over, but I'm going to take SMU and I'm going to take some points.
0: I like it. I like it. Let's go ahead and make it official. Parker is going to ride with SMU to cover the four on the road at Maryland. At Maryland. I wonder what Mike Loxley would think after this gets done, or what the fans would think of Mike Loxley if SMU were to come in and win this ballgame. Yeah, a little scary. A little scary. All right, we'll move along, and we have got a fantastic non-conference matchup here. Michigan State heads to Washington, and the Huskies are a three and a half point favorite latest line at BetUS with a total of 56 and a half. Just a fun, fun matchup in Husky Stadium in Seattle. This one's on ABC, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Parker, I want to start with you on this. I mean, what a difference a year makes for Washington. They bring in Kalen DeBoer and they bring in Michael Penix as the transfer quarterback. And it appears that they've got things rolling already. Give me some thoughts on these two.
2: Gary, I just need to say that I've never been wrong about anything. I talked about Michael Penix with a competent offensive line for so many years now. And I feel very justified that in the first couple of games that he's <laughs> been, uh, he's been looking good and looks like he's kind of got a, um, a situation that works for him there. Washington last season was one of the biggest splits in rushing and passing EPA on defense because their run game was so bad that no one passed against them unless they absolutely had to, which made those passing numbers look a lot better, but also uh, indicative a little bit of a defense that maybe wasn't, um, Totally invested and and playing as hard as as um, potentially they they could. So um, the Washington this season uh, a little more balanced on offense, a little more balanced on defense. Obviously, their their recruiting hasn't fallen off by any stretch of imagination. These rosters are very similar. Um, I will be interested to see how. Michigan State plays against actual competition without Kenneth Walker and and you know a lot of last season They won some games where they could just rely on outrushing a team and uh, not really having to rely on Peyton Thorne It's my thought that Washington will do everything they can do to say Peyton Thorne, please would love to see you try and uh, You try and beat us here not to not to totally disrespect him But to say he benefited a lot from having that high rushing floor at Michigan State Um, I have this as absolute toss-up just complete coin flip um Michigan State slightly favored by decimal points on the road here. So I don't have a strong play. I don't have a strong lean here. But I think we'll learn um, a lot about these two teams, and we'll learn a lot about kind of their, their style. Washington with how they compensate for the rush defense. Uh, Michigan State, how they compensate for not having
0: that rush offense. I will tell you, uh, I, am, I am writing. On Washington. I feel really good on Washington right now. Um, and I'll tell you why. Michigan State, the injury bug has already hit. Jaden Reed is already hobbled. The linebacker Snow out for the year. Uh, the safety, Henderson, I mean, he's banged up. Uh, they got all kind of issues. And then, of course, Thorne, uh, he's been eh. The running backs, uh, you know, Berger and Broussard have been pretty awesome, but you would like to see them in a real game, right? And that's not to say, you know, not to take anything away from Western Michigan or whoever else, but this is going to be different going on the road at night in Seattle. I'm very interested. Um, I I think that I don't trust Michigan State to be able to stop Kalen DeBoer's offense. I think they're going to put up a lot of points. I hit this when it came out at one, and I still like it at three and a half because I think they're going to win by a touchdown, if not more. Like, I think Washington is that much better uh, because I think people are just Underval- or underestimating maybe that, underestimating Washington based on what they saw the last couple of years under Jimmy Lake. Uh, Kyle, give me some thoughts here. I mean, again we're looking at line movement uh, 54 for the total and it's gone up to 56 and a half. The spread went from one up to three and a half uh, you, you got any thought on these line movements?
1: Yeah, I mean I, I agree with both of the line movements to be honest uh, I think Washington is just that much better this year and it's hard for the odds makers to kind of keep up um, you know, I I'll take the over in this one personally, because I, I think it's really hard to line Washington's games right now because they're so different than what they were last year. And I was going to say what Parker said there, as far as, uh, Washington's offensive line 14th and pass blocking so far, according to PFF. And I imagine Penix has to be going, what on earth is going on? Because, you know, every other time he snaps the ball and he's running for his life here, he probably feels like he has, you know, uh, 10 seconds to throw every single time. It's just a a huge difference. Um, Kalen DeBoer is a really good offensive mind. I think he he is really better than most people even realize. And I know people think he's good, but he is excellent. Washington, 7.53 yards per play so far this year. And I know somebody's going to say, yeah, they played Kent State and Portland State. Well, Kent State slowed down Oklahoma for a long time last week, a really long time. And Portland State didn't do that bad against Washington State. Uh, they gave up 24 points only. So I think that uh, Washington's yards per play on offense is probably more impressive than some people would think. And, uh, you know, they kind of shut it down in a couple of those games, too, after they had a big lead. So this is a Washington offense that I think will score quite a few points here, especially when you look at Michigan State, one of the most matchup dependent defenses. What are they good at? They're good at stopping the run. What are they bad at stopping the pass? Their secondary is terrible. I mean, there were multiple teams just picked on this secondary a lot last year. I think they're going to get picked on here. The thing about Michigan State, they're playing really fast. 29th in tempo, which to me is interesting that they've played so fast, despite the fact that they've been blowing out MAC teams in their first two games. So they clearly want to run. Uh, They're going to play fast here. DeBoer is going to be happy to play fast with them as well. They've slowed down when they had the big lead. But I I think um, Washington is the side that I would take in this one. Hate that the line has moved that much, but I do like the over here. Like I said, Washington's team last year is nothing like this team this season. So if you're using anything from last year for your numbers, it's going to be really hard. So I like the over
0: here. I'm with you. I'm with you. So let's make it official. We got two plays on this one. I'm going to take the side. I like Washington, even with the hook there, minus three and a half. And Kyle is going to ride the over 56 and a half. A lot of comments, of course, in the chat here. A lot of people going back and forth over, ah, Michigan State will beat them to death and so forth and so on. Hey, this is going to be an interesting game. I will certainly say that. It's going to be a lot of fun to see exactly who comes out in this one. We're going to move along, and maybe one that's not on the radar, but maybe it should be. Maybe it should be. This one is Louisiana headed to Rice, and Louisiana an 11.5-point favorite latest over at BetUS. The total sits at 505 half and Louisiana does not appear to have missed a beat switching from Napier to DeSormo here. Uh, Louisiana 1-6 against the spread as a 10-plus point road favorite, and that goes, of course, all the way back through Billy Napier, etc. cetera. Uh, they tended to only get up for the games that were going to be really tight, the games where they felt like there was a challenge. I'm curious if there's a difference here. 5-0 uh, and oh against the spread in their last five non-conference games, Rice, 1-5 against the spread in their last six non-conference games. They are not good in September either. They don't start the seasons well. 1-5 against the spread, their last six in September. And Rice overall, 4-10 against the spread in their last 14 games. Just not great. Uh, the new Louisiana quarterback, Chandler Fields, been pretty awesome. Things are going well. Uh, Rice, you know, put up a little bit of a fight against USC, a- at least early. Right? They had two long touchdown drives. Uh... And then they whipped up on McNeese State 52-10 to last week. Uh, the offense, you know, it is averaging 4.61 yards per rush. Looks okay. Uh, Parker, I'm going to toss this over to you. Like, the only advantage that I see for Rice in a game like this is the run game, where Louisiana hasn't exactly been great on defense. Uh, but again, you know, the schedule for Louisiana, I mean, completely different than what Rice has faced thus far. I, I'm curious your thoughts here between the Raging Cajuns and the Owls.
1: This
2: is going to be an all-time caveat here, but um, if it weren't for the four turnovers that led to 28 USC points, Rice actually moved the ball a couple times down the field. They lined up, and they marched yes. like 75 yards for, I think, two or three touchdowns. So, you know, you just uh, uh, scratch it over the four turnovers, but I, I think that this some vision there about what Rice can do and what they want to do, obviously, um, have been some issues with them. Uh talent wise and development wise, but looks to be on the right path. Yeah, Chandler Fields for, for Louisiana is the, the person I'm watching in this game. I don't have a um strong lean. I, I I agree with what you said about like getting up for big games. This is maybe not a big game for Louisiana, so I don't know if they'll cover the 12. I do have this pretty far off of that. But um one thing to look at last week versus Eastern Michigan, Chandler Fields completed uh over 70% of his passes. Um uh, uh sorry, uh with adjusted completion. His at his actual completion percent was forty-seven point six because they dropped six passes. So either Louisiana's wide receivers are a huge red flag, or this dude is throwing fastballs uh, just the entire time. That's something I'd have to go back and watch on the film there. But I am interested in kind of – that's a lot of inconsistency, 37.5% drop rate for him there. So um, something to watch as they kind of work that offense. But, yeah, the the the, the biggest split here is um, – Uh, Louisiana's EPA per pass is really good. Rice has shown that they really can't defend the pass very well. Um, And then uh, on the rush defense, you know, Louisiana a little bit worse, 61st in EPA per play. Rice a little bit better on offense, 58th in EPA per play. So maybe, maybe something there. Rice is, you know, rushing 125th. Are, are passing 125th least in the nation. So they're rushing a whole lot. Louisiana's kind of been opening up a little bit. So there's a pace mismatch here. Rice is going to want to try and slow this game down. I don't know if they have the trenches to, to do that and to generate enough su- uh, sustained success to give them the opportunities to need to move the ball. And Louisiana could strike pretty quickly here with, with Fields being so electric. If they can catch the ball or if he can take 20 miles off his fastball.
0: That's a, yes, and all these, obviously, a lot of questions here. Uh, it does appear that there is a talent advantage for Louisiana in this game as of right now. Uh, I don't know what really we can expect from Rice thus far. Uh, Kyle, I want to toss it over to you because I, when I look at this game, you know, I, I'm seeing all these different trends. I'm seeing, uh, you know, Louisiana the one and six against the spread as a ten plus point road favorite, but I, I tend to believe that Louisiana is just a significantly better team even on the road. Which way are you leaning on this one?
1: Yeah, I see the chat talking about I wore a Rice hat, so uh, maybe a Rice play is coming. That does not mean a Rice play is coming. It just means uh, I wanted to wear a hat of a team that we were covering here today. Um, (laughs) You know, I got to tell you, I think that uh, Rice blew out McNeese State last week, but that doesn't move the needle at all for me. You know, that's not going to change anything for me. And Rice going into this season was a team I had rated very lowly. Um, if you look at Louisiana last week too, what a weird game for the Raging Cajuns last week. They they were down fourteen nothing at halftime, and they won forty nine to twenty eight. Also important to note that Ben Woldridge came in at quarterback, uh, was twelve for thirteen for one hundred and sixty nine yards and two touchdowns. So for some reason, Woldridge did amazing last week. Uh, you know, both of those quarterbacks have looked pretty good for Louisiana. And I think there's a a very big talent gap between these two teams. Louisiana has actually recruited pretty well the last few years. Rice, not good. I think this Rice team that that wants to run the football, uh, control the time of possession if they can, try to hide their defense, I think it'll be hard to do in this one. Uh, Rice returned a lot of starters from last year, but is that really a good thing? Uh, You know, Louisiana has recruited so much better than them, like I said. You know, honestly, I didn't want to be betting on Louisiana a lot this year. I kind of wanted to stay away from their games. But my number here was Louisiana minus 16 and a half. So we're far enough off that I'm going to go ahead and take this one. Like I said, we had a lot of line moves to where we had to make some adjustments here. But I think this is a pretty decent look for a team that's much more talented than the other team. Rice has very little home field advantage at all. I think Louisiana comes in here and wins and covers.
0: I like it. Let's go ahead and make it official here. Kyle is going to roll with the Raging Cajuns to cover 11 and a half, and I cannot disagree. Cannot disagree. Let's see. We've got a ton of people in the chat. Mark, of course, Wet Blanket, Larry Martin, Keith is in there, uh, Arbone again, Paul, Carson, Paxton, et cetera. You guys are awesome. If you would, go ahead and like that video for us. Hit that thumbs-up button there, and make sure that you are subscribed to the channel so you can be here with us each and every time out, every Tuesday and Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. So you do that, and you also hit the notification bell. It's going to let you know when we go live, just in case you forget. Just in case you forget. If you can't be here for the live show, there's always the podcast. Of course, the BetUS Football Show on Apple, Spotify, etc. Go and leave a nice five-star review. And, of course, make sure that you check out yesterday's show as well. And, of course, uh, tomorrow's show. That is the BetUS TV three-dog Thursday show, the handicapping competition. I will be representing the college football nation here at BetUS TV. All right, we've got three more games to discuss. Let's, uh, let's roll along with these. Pitt is a 10-point favorite on the road at Western Michigan. It's at Waldo Stadium in Kalamazoo, Michigan. This is going to be an interesting one. Western Michigan won this game 44-41 to 41 last season, but this is a really young team. For Tim Lester. Parker, I want to start with you here. Uh, it opened at Pitt minus 10 and the total was at 55 and a half. Now the put total is down to 48. We've got question marks on Pitt's offense with both of their starting, uh, I say both starting quarterbacks, their top two quarterbacks. So we're not exactly sure who is going to play in this game. Uh, give me, give me some read on this, on, on the Panthers and of course the Broncos. <sighs>
2: Yeah, very um, odd. I, I do feel compelled to point out about Pitt. Uh, one, so yeah, the quarterback uncertainty, I mean, that that floor on offense could get real low if we don't have a competent quarterback play there. I think Slovis has been pulling them up a little bit. It was funny to me as well in a very petty sense that um, after the West Virginia game, Pat Narduzzi said, hey, I would have punted uh, on that fourth fourth and short situation and then had an oh, opportunity no, no. to Narduzzi be aggressive. No,
0: said I would go for it, right?
2: Yeah, right, right. Sorry. Yes, I wouldn't have. Punted. I would go for it. Neil Brown said I would punt it. And uh, and then he had an opportunity against Tennessee to go for two and maybe score the win and didn't didn't want to do that at all. So um, he's, he's just an interesting cat Pat Pat Arduzzi. They, they're going to have a good defense here. I think that Western Michigan's a little bit inexperienced to um, bet any uh, to, to take a side on this one. Um, Especially with ten uh, I, I I am worried about the Western Michigan defense against the pit offense like they might not be running optimally, but they still have athletes and then on defense as well. um Western Michigan's fun, but I do think they 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 are so young that there's just not a lot here that that makes me excited about them. Most of um Salipak for Western Michigan most of his passes have come like at the line of scrimmage uh, in between the um uh in between the numbers and shorter than shorter than 10 yards so like very much just concentrated on get the ball out quick kind of make it uh accuracy gets pretty bad once you get past 10 yards and once you get outside so of course Pitt's going to be able to exploit that with the way their defense is structured and that pass rush is, is still pretty fierce so a little bit worried about laying points for for uh this game but with the uncertainty on uh Pitt's quarterback situation and they might i mean very plausible they just they just get out of this game alive um and just say hey we just want to win so that i don't see a ton of value in the side here i obviously would lean pit just on the base on the sheer numbers but uh betters beware with the with the spot here in the game script
0: most certainly uh, you look at, at some of the trends here pit 4-0 against the spread after a straight up loss they are 7-1 and against the spread their last 8 on the road but they are 1-4 and four against the spread in non-conference games. It, it highlighted, of course, by that 44-41 to 41 loss to the same Western Michigan team last year at home, even though they were the ACC champions. It, Kyle, moving over to you, uh, this line movement is, bana- or not, well, the total movement is insane. 55.5 down to 48. Now, obviously, that has a lot to do with the quarterback situation. But, uh, but tell me about this total and, of course, it moving more than a touchdown here.
1: Well, I mean, I'm going to be 100% transparent. I had this one as a play that I was going to to give out here today at under 55. And then it goes to 48, and that changes things quickly, obviously. <laughs> so uh, my opinion of, of the game definitely changes a lot. Now, Slovis is far better than the backup. And then after that, I think there could be a massive drop-off. We should probably say that this is a revenge game based on what happened last year. So, uh, I could see people wanting to take Pitt here, and I understand that. But if you're on a third-string quarterback, I wouldn't be excited to do that. Certainly, in fact, uh, at this point, it's got down to 48. If Slovis were to play, might even lean to the over. So, I, you know, I was I was thinking uh, this is going to be very dependent on who plays here because I think Slovis is a very good quarterback. He's looked pretty good in this system if they let him throw. Uh, I think he could do quite a bit. Western Michigan, a team I'm not very high on. And Parker made a great point about Western Michigan's quarterback. A lot of dump-offs, very short passes. I don't think that's the way to beat Pitt. I think Pitt is going to be very good at stopping that kind of play. Uh, As far as the side, I would be interested in Pitt if Slovis is playing. Like I said, I might even bet the over if Slovis plays. Uh, If neither of those top two play, I would still lean the under in this game. So this, this one's very dependent on who starts for Pitt. Knowing Pat Narduzzi, I'm thinking it's going to be kind of hard to know who's going to play until right before the game starts or right as they walk onto the field. So you might have to be watching right at the very end to
0: see what to bet in this one. I, I see where you're going with that. I here's what I think. I think it doesn't necessarily matter who starts at quarterback because I don't know that Pitt is going to throw the football a single time in this ball game. Uh, Western Michigan number one fourteen PPA uh, rushing defense right now. Uh, it, this is exactly what Narduzzi wants. Like he wants to be able to run the ball every single play. Uh, so yeah, this this seems to line up. The under certainly seems to line up even at 48. Uh, it, it's too low for me to play it. so and, and 10 points is too much for me if you're only going to run the football. Uh, Tim Lester has had a ton of success at Western Michigan. I expect him to throw out some some crazy stuff here and there. but again, really young team, as Parker mentioned, uh, super inexperienced. Uh, Just no official play here. And so uh, none of us has a play because the I mean, it's just shifted too much. And there's so much uncertainty with this one. So no official play on Pitt and Western Michigan. But uh, hey Gary, go ahead. Was there
2: something last year as well about the uh, staffer at Western Michigan used to work at Syracuse. And was like we knew exactly what Pitt was going to do on defense. They didn't oh, take yeah. it seriously. Do you yep. guys remember that? I should go look that up and on Twitter. But I think there was also like some 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 very acute preparation weakness last year from Pitt that made that happen, um, or, or when when the last time they played. So that was yeah. something that I was thinking about as well. as like I wouldn't I wouldn't put too much stock in the recent matchup because I do think there was like a very specific <laughs> Pitt didn't prepare for something, and this dude was like, oh, we know exactly what you're going to do here.
0: Yes. No, I do remember that from last season. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was uh, basically they knew that Pitt was not preparing for their game. Like they were just running the same the same game script, et cetera. Yep. Uh, so they knew exactly what to expect, and, and they capitalized on it. Now, I don't know that they've got the players to be able to do it this year, but and, and uh, uh, at the same time, revenge bot, right? So you're not going to let that happen again, but we'll see. We've got two more games to discuss. So let's go ahead and hop into it. This one's a fun one, of course. UTSA, meet, meet, baby. 12.5-point road dogs headed to Texas. And, of course, the total sits at 61.5, latest over at BetUS. It's at DKR Memorial Stadium in Austin, Texas, 8 p.m. Eastern time on the Longhorn Network. Kyle, I want to start with you on this. Texas gave Alabama all they wanted last week and still did not get the win. But they are now without Ewers. They might be without Bijan. They might be without Hudson Card. They have a slew of other injuries. They're banged up. And you got a team coming in that would love nothing more than to be able to, to hang that on their mantle. They want that, those long horns put on their, uh, on their mantle this weekend. I know Jeff Traylor is ready for this one. Kyle, what have you got on it?
1: At first, I want to say last week, uh, coming out of Ohio Stadium, there were a bunch of people watching the Texas and Alabama game. And, uh, Gary, as you could probably assume, most people that are Ohio State fans, not big fans of Bama. Most people that are Bama fans, not big fans of Ohio State, I'm sure. But uh, I remember hearing, like, you didn't even have to have the play-by-play going. You could know what happened at the end of the game based on all the crowd. Uh, (laughs) And Texas comes up just short when Alabama makes that field goal, and everybody there's a loud gasp, like, no. Uh, I think... uh, Texas really put a lot into that game. I would be afraid to bet them in a game like this. I think that even without all their injuries, this is a tricky spot for them. Now, with the injuries, I mean, it might be right starting in this game. Uh, You know, I'm not sure, but uh, UTSA has a big split on defense, 12th in success rate allowed against the run, 99th in success rate allowed against the pass. Uh, Can Texas take advantage of that here? I'm not really sure the answer to that. UTSA has played two games and both of them went into overtime. They fell short against Houston despite winning the box score pretty clearly. I think their post-game win expectancy was like 96%. And then they go and beat Army in overtime. They were 11 for 15 on third down in that game. So just ridiculous efficiency on third down. And, guys, I have to say that makes this kind of a weird spot for both teams, right? Because UTSA has gone into overtime twice in a row. Texas coming off that loss that was just heartbreaking. I'm going to keep my analysis a little bit shorter on this one. Cause I honestly have no lean. I really don't know what to do with this game. There are so many unknowns in this game. And I think unknowns are kind of the, uh, the single biggest thing that's against you when sports betting, I don't want big unknowns. That's what I see here. So I'm passing.
0: I could understand that. Uh, I will go ahead and be honest here. I liked this a lot at Texas uh, by 13 and a half. I liked UTSA on the side But there was such a split here. Uh, Parker, you know, tossing it over to you, 59% of the bets on Texas, only 15% of the money is on Texas. So a lot of the money on UTSA in this one, it has moved a lot. It jumped to UTSA uh, as a dog by 11. It's back up to 12.5 now. I mean, it just continues on and on. Uh, I'm curious your thoughts on these.
2: This game reminds me a lot of – yeah, the Louisiana game last year where you thought, hey, here's an experienced G5 team. They run their program really, really well. Can they line up? Can they go into Texas? Can they capitalize on a good spot? Now, uh, obviously, the played Alabama the week before is a really good um, betting indicator of, you know, a team maybe being a little bit down. But well, the, the two things that really um, make me stay away from this game, I, I think that UTSA is competent. I think Frank Harris is a fine quarterback. Um, the, the two issues I have are the trenches. I think Texas's offensive line looked, or excuse me, defensive line looked very good against off, uh, Alabama's bad offensive line, but still looked very good, created a lot of disruption. Um, second, the, you know, the thing about Steve Sarkeesian's offense is that it's, it's a lot to process. It's a lot to install. It's a lot to get going. And we saw when Ewers went down, they started running, Hey, just get out of here alive, um, play drives to get to halftime so they could figure out what are we going to do with card? How are we going to make this work? Um, I think with a week especially knowing that card is probably going to be your starter for the future i saw that yours was out you know anywhere to six weeks um and uh, and so th- I think there's going to be a lot this week for Texas to play for. I think there's a lot to kind of level set and perhaps, uh, you know, some of that halftime adjustment stuff, they'll be able to start, uh, you know, with a better idea of what they want to do at-, at game one against UTSA. It's a night game, too, so um, shouldn't be too big of an issue with uh, heat, humidity and all that. Um, the-, the only thing I will say is that I- I'm very wary of Texas's ability to finish in the red zone and very wary of their conservativeness. Five field goal attempts, I believe, in scoring opportunities. When they are a 21-point dog, that is not exactly how you win a game, and you wonder if they hadn't gone for a couple of those, they missed a couple of them. Uh, not that the result justifies the, you know, the decision, but you know, if, in expectation, hey, if you go for a couple of those, you get seven instead of three on one of those, you're winning that game. Um, I was a little bit um, disappointed with their lack of aggression on that uh against alabama in that spot there but overall they played consistently huge adversity with viewers out and so with card and a week to play i think their defense is vastly improved um, they they should win they should cover this game i i like utsa too much to bet against them in this spot though um, I, I, and so I'm, I'm not gonna have an official play uh, I, I think that i think that texas here could kind of come out as a statement game hey we're not completely out of things
0: yeah, that's that's what I'm a little worried about, and that's why I took it off my card, right? <laughs> uh, looking at some of the trends, Texas, 4-0 and against the spread in their last four September games. They are 1-5 against the spread, coming off of a straight-up loss. So that, of course, would lean towards UTSA. UTSA, 6-0 against the spread in their last six September games, so they start out these seasons really, really hot. UTSA, however, 0-4 against the spread after a straight-up win. Well, they did that against Army last week. Uh, it's, it's a weird, weird spot. The UTSA secondary does look kind of weak. I think Xavier worthy could eat if anybody can get him the football. Uh, this is with all of the injuries and all the uncertainty, et cetera. I'm a little wary of this one. Uh, I do like Frank Harris. I know that he's dealing to Cephas and Franklin, et cetera. I'm just going to stay away. So no official play on this one. I lean UTSA because of the spot, but man, a lot of people seem to like the spot, so, so I'm going to stay away from this one. we got one more game left. I remind everybody, go ahead and like the video for us and make sure that you are subscribed to the channel. Jump into the chat because we are doing Q&A immediately after this last game. Gentlemen, Miami heads to Texas A&M, and A&M is a five-point favorite at home. Latest line over at BetUS. The total sits at 44 and a half. It has come down from 49 to forty-four and a half. It's at Kyle Field in College Station. Whew. What a game, Jimbo Fisher. Uh, that offense is just yikes. Uh, Miami five and one against the spread on the road. Three and eight against the spread in their last eleven non-conference games. A and M five and zero against the spread against the ACC in their last five meetings. Fifteen and five against the spread in their last twenty non-conference games, and they are one and four against the spread in September. Uh, now, Kyle, I'm going to start off with you on this App State. appeared to give everybody a blueprint on how to beat the Aggies in a 17-14 win. But A&M still has a ton of talent. Do we maybe see Max Johnson here? What do you see on this ballgame?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't blame him if we saw Max Johnson because King really hasn't been very good. I want to bring up an angle that I talked about a lot last year. So our regulars from last year will remember this one. And guys, I know you'll remember this one when I start saying it as well. Um we have a lot of new subscribers though so I wanted to give this one out again a road underdog of 3 to 14 points with a total of 48 or lower that road dog is 573 and 448 that's 56.1% since 2006 that's a massive sample size. That's a really good angle. It also makes sense. You know, it makes sense as a predictive angle going forward. It's not a, you know, a night game between 7 and 8 o'clock after you played a, you know, some ridiculous trend. This is an angle with a big sample size, and it's a, a underdog with a low total. Uh, in this case, we have an underdog with a low total that is a pretty talented team in Miami. Uh, you know, to me, this is a Texas A&M team that, you know, Fisher talked a big game in the offseason. You know, they really need to back it up at this point. Uh, if they lose back-to-back weeks here, it's gonna things are going to get pretty bad at Texas A&M. Uh, this offense, 64th in success rate, and they played an FCS opponent in Sam Houston and then App State. App State didn't look exactly very good on defense against North Carolina. So, uh, you know, that that is a pretty bad look for them. Spiller was a big loss in the backfield, certainly. I still thought they'd be better on offense than what they've been so far. And this isn't really meant as a diss of DJ Durkin, but uh, more of a praise of Elko. I think Elko to Durbin is a downgrade. Uh, you know, the Aggies defense will be tested in this one. Uh, Miami admittedly really hasn't played a tough schedule so far this year, but I think Van Dyke is a really good quarterback. Miami's really deep running back. Very good uh, to me. The only way I could bet this game would be Miami, and to be honest, I think I'll probably be putting a little bit of cash, maybe some of that pizza money, on Miami in this one. And I bet that. I think this is one that you want to bet the money line as well because you got a low-scoring environment, a game that definitely could go either way, uh, pretty big plus money money line. So i that way. The other thing on the total, guys. Uh, I think this total has gotten so low. I mean, I understand taking an under to start with, but forty-four and a half. I mean, this has gotten awfully low. I couldn't take an under here. Maybe a slight lean to the over, but I do like Miami.
0: I I tend to roll with you on this one, uh, Parker. I want to I want to see your thoughts here. Miami had issues early last week against Southern Miss. Kind of overwhelmed them late. Did what they needed to do. Can we take anything from these wins over Bethune Cookman and Southern Miss? It, it, do we see anything from Miami? That we really like going on the road here.
2: Yeah, um, I, I, I am a little bit uh, was a little bit worried about Miami's offense and kind of went in and dove into their game against Southern Miss because obviously that's not what you want a, a ten to seven lead at halftime. I will say that in terms of their defense, that touchdown there was a pass interference call and on a third down that gave that gave SMU a fresh set of downs. And Will Hall is a really good offensive mind at SM uh, I said SMU. That's not SMU. It's Southern Miss at USM. <laughs> and uh and so they they're able to cook something up there but outside of that what i really looked for was the offense tyler van dyke was not good in the first half at all i think completed just two or three passes um but what they did in the second half i, I was a little worried that miami does what good what what bad teams do to worse teams in the second half which is hey we can't really beat you running our offense so we're just going to line up and run all over you and tyler van dyke went nine of eleven in the second half they, they found ways to get him you know moving the ball a little bit passing a little bit much better second half performance uh got him a little more comfortable so again everybody has bad games starting slow in season openers i'm 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 willing to um overlook that i like miami in this spot a whole lot i am not very high on what texas a&m is going to be able to do on offense it's not like their quarterback had the open guys eyes and was making the wrong throws. It's not necessarily like they had, you know, guys deep open and the quarterback wasn't hitting them. They just really had some issues with design and, and kind of execution. Again, they ran so few plays against a uh, not great App State defense that really discouraging there. I think Miami's defense is is much better than App State's, um, especially uh, against the rush there. And as Texas A&M tries to get that run game going a little bit more. Um, I really think this is going to be a hard sell for them. So I, I certainly like Miami here, uh, on the road to cover, there is a little bit of deflation for Texas A&M, you know, you lose that game and you lose game day and, uh, just, just a little bit of bad mojo there. I, I don't know if they can write the ship with the offense as it talked about Steve Sarkeesian's offense being, you know, big and complicated and hard to install. I mean, I sometimes the quarterback for a Jimbo Fisher offense doesn't even read the entire playbook. Like it's you know thousands of pages. It's a it's a huge binder. And so um, there there might be things they can try and do. But do they have a quarterback who can process on the fly, who can adjust, who can be well versed enough in this offense to to run it the way it needs to be run for it to be successful? Uh, I'm not sure. Reminder: Texas A&M only scored 14 last week because they had a special teams. Uh, touchdown with touchdown. that kick return as well. So makes me very, very nervous overall. I like Miami's defense to keep this within striking distance for sure. Kyle, I love your voodoo about the low total and the spread. That just makes me feel so much better about this bet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Miami, and I'm going to take points.
0: I like it. Officially on Parker here, Miami plus the five. I, I like it. App State showed us last week that if you stay on the field, I mean, they ran over 80 plays to only 38 plays for Texas A&M. A- A&M's defense, while insanely talented, has not shown the ability to get the other team off the field. Miami can stay ahead of the chains. They're number 21 in standard downs PPA. They're number three in standard down success rate. It's going to be terrifying. <laughs> Absolutely terrifying. So yes, official play from Parker on this. Miami plus five on that. All right, let's go ahead and... And remind everybody, please like the video if you have not already. We are almost to 150. That would help us out tremendously. And it is time for Q&A. It's time to jump in the chat and see what we've got. We're going to try and do a rapid fire here. Uh, Let's see, Kyle, I'm going to start with you on this. Uh, Do you have any lean on USC Fresno State? That's from Mark
1: uh i lean to fresno state in this game i think fresno will score enough points to keep this one close So i would have leaned the over but this one is so high i think uh 73 and a half or 74 uh yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna lean fresno state thinking this could be a one score game
0: yeah fresno certainly going on the road it, they seem to do really well against back 12 competition that was a heartbreaker last week to oregon state absolute heartbreaker uh parker Moving over here, Cameron said, is there value on under 61.5 in UCF FAU? Uh, he said your model projects 49 points, and there's a wet day in Boca expected. What are your thoughts here?
2: I'm bad at totals, uh, so just going to put that out there to start. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, the issue here is that UCF um, – so FAU's offense is is pretty potent – but uh it's it's not necessarily been shown that they're gonna have the athletic advantage to do that against UCF. And UCF's offense is a mess. So it's kind of a mix of of, of FAU actually has a decent um pass defense. Like last season they were pretty frustrating and they have some athletes there. Um, but I, I really don't like either uh I really don't like UCF's um offense at all. And I don't know that they're gonna be able to move it. Their defense should should be able to be pretty frustrating for FAU, but FAU has some big play potential. I don't know that they'll move the ball consistently enough to kind of take advantage of that. That's why this game is low. Um also you look at it they're both rushing a, a a decent amount. 40 uh 47% rush rate over expected for UCF, um 48% for um FAU, both of those are kind of top half. So whether it, everything, this model's com- you know completely agnostic about that. This is just historically teams with this profile, teams with this profile, how do they perform? So, you know, uh, the, the weather adjustment's left as an exercise to the reader. But I think if you're betting it under here, you're thinking UCF can't really put it together on offense. And UCF's athleticism and length on defense really frustrates that FAU offense that's looked really good against bad
0: competition. I like it. That was an in-depth answer for on the fly, my friend. <laughs> Incredibly
2: well. You saw uh, me. I had, to go pull up the, I had to go pull up the chart for a second. I was like, oh, I wasn't prepared for
1: that game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was awesome. Awesome. Uh, let's see. Mason Phelps just jumped into the chat. He said, thoughts on Buffalo plus 14 against Coastal Carolina. Uh, Kyle, you got a feel on this one. Uh, Buffalo terrifies me. I mean, it, obviously, they lost, you know, FCS team last week. But I, I don't know that Coastal is great. I'm not sure. I'm staying away from this one for a reason, but do you have a thought on this one? Well,
1: Coastal just beat an FCS team. Was it Gardner-Webb? I can't remember exactly which. Uh, yeah. Gardner-Webb yeah. had the lead. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, really, Gardner-Webb should have won that game if you go back and look through the play-by-play and the stats. So Coastal, uh, laying 14 points with Coastal doesn't sound like a good idea to me, but I don't really want to bet Buffalo. Uh, so that, that's a tough one for me. I think I would lean to the under in that one, thinking Buffalo offense is not very uh, consistently good. But, I mean, why would you want to lay a bunch of points with Coastal Carolina at this point? I I, I can't do it, but like I said, Gary, I'm not excited to bet Buffalo, so I have to pass
0: on that one. Exactly. I'm going to wait for another data point on that one. Uh, Durko Gaming jumps in. Do you gentlemen think Villanova can pull the FCS over FBS upset against Army this weekend? Uh, So I wanted to get into this one. Uh, Parker, uh, I'll toss it over to you on this. No, don't do
2: that. I don't know. (laughs) I don't even think about FCS. You
0: do that. That's great. uh, So I want to talk about Army. Uh, I, I feel like Jeff Munkin has started to hear the noise about uh, he doesn't get other jobs because he only runs the triple, et cetera. I mean, they threw for over 300 yards against UTSA last week. Like, they have changed a few things around. I, I'm curious, how do you feel about what Army's doing on offense right now? Uh, and the, the answer to the question is no, I don't believe Villanova can beat Army. But, uh, but go ahead, Parker. I'm curious your thoughts on Army on this one.
2: Yes, I will um, eschew the philosophical discussion. That is um, the the path of a successful service academy coach. Um, you've seen Ken Ken Nimatololo at at Navy modernize his offense, not get the job he thought he was going to get, and then they haven't really been able to kind of replicate things since. And 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 there is a shift there that's really hard. There is this fine line of getting the type of athletes you need to run this gimmicky offense and still being able to be annoying with it. If you modernize, you kind of select yourself into worse um uh like the worst of all worlds cuz then your offense is not you know it's it's not novel and it's not frustrating and your athletes are worse than the uh, opposing defenses i said i was going to shoot that question and then i talked about it which is just classic parker but um the offense army is third in epa per pass like just very explosive on that passing game um and 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 46 in epa per rush i think the offense is legit i think that we are looking at a new army for sure and they it uh, it does seem that they're able to um I'll replicate that, you know, they lost their quarterback last year or Christian Anderson. He came back and I expected them to regress a little bit on offense but it looks like they've got something going there Um Uh, overall, I think that army's offense, um, is pretty good. You know, you kind of look at that relevant to the coastal question a minute ago and their game against coastal last week. I do think speaking of novelty that the quote unquote, what the hell factor from the coastal offense has been severely diminished. It's like a pitcher, right? The first time through the lineup, you know, you're like, Oh dang, I don't know what I'm going to do about this guy. Second time. Maybe I'm getting some content, uh, contact third time through the lineup. I can hit him with an offense. So wild, like coastal Carolina is so unique and different, um, it's 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 very hard uh for for that novelty to not diminish as people see it, get more film on you. You think about the year 2020 they did so well, the only game they lost was when Hugh Freeze had two weeks and a season's worth of film against them and they beat them uh at, at Liberty there. So I think that Army was was able to stay with Coastal Carolina because that, that offense is a little less novel for Coastal Carolina. I think Army's offense is legit here, though. And uh sure there's not a huge talent disparity between Villanova and Army, but Army's shown that they can put up points on anybody. I mean, look at their Look at what they did last year. Look at what they're continuing to do this year. So I think the offense is legit. Um, I don't know necessarily about a bet on that, but I would say that I think you're going to score some points on Villanova.
0: Yes, I I feel the same way. Uh, Kyle, Pedro jumps in. I really like Wisconsin first half. Any thoughts against New Mexico State? You got a feeling on this?
1: Well, I mean, New Mexico State tries to run, uh, play very slowly to keep the game closer. Wisconsin plays slowly as well. So if I was betting Wisconsin, I would bet them in the first half instead of the full game. Wisconsin's not a team that's known to run up the score on people. Um, I would probably lean to the under in this game thinking that New Mexico State wouldn't score very much here. Uh, This total has come down some, though. Minus 37 with a total of 46. What a ridiculous number, guys. I mean, yeah, first half or nothing, and uh, I think I would probably lean that way, yes.
0: I do wonder if Wisconsin had gotten that win against Washington State last week. Mm -hmm. I wonder if this line wouldn't be a little bit less because people do expect them not to run it up, but if they're coming out irritated and upset about last week, Maybe they do lay it on early, which, yeah, I could, uh, I could understand where Pedro would come from with the first half there on Wisconsin. Uh, James jumps in. Parker, I'm going to throw this one to you. Thoughts on Tulane and Kansas State. He's leaning Tulane plus the points on this one.
2: I like Michael Pratt. I, I, I don't have a preview or numbers on this one out publicly. Um, there's some play by play issues that just didn't feel good about putting, you know, total nonsense numbers out there. Um, the thing about Kansas State is that we've seen a couple games where they've said, hey, there was some weather issues. Hey, we, you know, our offensive lineman went down. Hey, we just haven't been able to do our full offense. And it's like, guys, I'm believing a lot in this, but at what point are you going to run the full offense? Like, I need to see what it is. the The thing that I like here about
0: Tulane I could, is, by the way, I could answer that question, and, and, and it'll be Week Four, against Oklahoma. Yeah, so
2: <laughs> yeah, do as do as little as possible. Classic, classic former FCS coach. Do as little as possible until you get to the one big matchup that matters. I totally understand it, but um, <laughs> Tulane. I mean, Matt, Michael Pratt, extremely underrated as a Tulane quarterback, has done really well with some not great. Offensive coordinators. Uh, I mean, I mean, he had Will Hall, and then uh, you know has had some issues. But I think that they're um, back back on track to be one of the more underrated Power Five, G five, excuse me. Uh, passing offenses there. So that always means, you know, you can keep it close and with Kansas state seemingly content to just kind of sit and, 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 and move the ball as little as they have to, to score. I'm I'm a little bit worried about a, a line there at all. I think that Kansas state um, has, has a talent advantage. Kansas state has deuce Vaughn, which means that they can score basically at will as soon as they get that mismatch. But um, with two lanes passing offense and with Kansas state, just a little bit, we're still waiting on that offense to, to show exactly what it can be. Um, uh, I, I would lean towards, towards Tulane very slightly, very, very slightly just because of the passing <laughs> offense there. But that would be my play is to say, hey, Kansas State has no incentive to put anything on film. Tulane can hit a big pass and maybe keep the thing a little closer than it should be.
0: I, I could totally understand that. Uh, Malari jumps in. Q&A, can Akron cover versus Tennessee? I'm going to take this one. Yes, they can. Uh, this is the perfect sandwich spot for Akron to come in. I trust Joe Moorhead to be able to get a cover here. I think the line's at 47.5, 48, somewhere around there. Uh, Yes, Tennessee's playing against Florida next week. They might have game day in town. They just got off of an overtime win against Pitt on the road, and then you got Florida next week. Yes, absolutely, Akron can cover this game. Uh, Yari B jumps in. Can I add something
1: real quick, Yeah, go ahead. Go Um, ahead. Maybe a live under in this game as well. If they start scoring a lot early on, I would think Tennessee would let up here, and you got a total of 67. So, you know, maybe if you get a live game, in game 75 or something
0: like that, I think I'd like the under. I love it. I love it. Uh, Kyle, I'm going to toss this one over to you. Yari B, Q&A, how is Iowa expected to put up 25-plus against Nevada? Uh, Let's see, what, like four or five safeties? Yeah,
1: yeah. Four or five safeties upon return touchdown. (laughs) Uh, I mean, to be honest, I did consider under 41 when I saw 41 early on. 39 is getting really ridiculously low. It's hard to take under 39 in a college football game. And Nevada just gave up 600 yards to Incarnate Word. So if Iowa was ever gonna score some points, this is their chance. Now, okay, I have to see it to believe it because I don't think Spencer Petris and parents and that offense can really score on anybody. Um, I guess I would lean toward the underdog here in such a low scoring environment, getting more than three touchdowns, but I'm gonna pass on this officially.
0: Keegan Johnson is coming back this week, so you know, they will have one of their wide receiver weapons back. Eh, we'll see. Uh Joe Maddie. <laughs> that's been that's been the problem. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's been it. Uh, Joe Maddie would love your opinion on Virginia and old dominion Parker. You got a feel on this one.
2: Well, Virginia is kind of sad, man. I'm I'm unhappy about that. Um, and, and how like Brennan Armstrong, a uh, fellow redhead is, is good at quarterback, but it looks like they need some help with the design on the offense there. Also, as we said, I think, I don't know. I, I think I took Virginia as an under this, this year. Um, and I think one of, one of you guys at least did as well. Um, not really high on it. Old dominion, a little bit flighty. Um, you know, beat that Virginia tech team should be, should be able to win this game. I think, um, uh, yeah, that my, my biggest thought here is just Virginia. I'm a little bit sad about, um, old dominion. I, I need to see a little bit more, uh, from their offense in terms of like early downs passing, but in, you know, the, the balance I think is, is there on, on defense. It's not like one side is way worse than the other. Um, and so I think, I think old dominion versus the points is, is a fine bet here with what we've seen out of Virginia. <laughs>
0: We, we got the 69 mega stuff coming in <laughs> on the chat. That means it's almost time to wrap this up. Uh, I'm going to take two more questions here. Uh, Rafael jumps in. Uh, Kyle, I'm curious your thoughts on this one. Texas Tech and NC State. You got a feel on this one?
1: Well, I mean, uh, for me, the question in this game is whether you think Texas Tech's defense is actually quite a bit better. Or if it's just Houston's offense, is that much worse. Uh, NC State is a really good defense. I I would lean the under in this game, but I don't trust Texas Tech's defense quite enough to pull the trigger on this one. Uh, I think NC State is a much more talented team than Texas Tech. Texas Tech coming off that that tight game. uh, NC State should be pretty motivated after the way they played earlier this year. I think I would lean NC State, and I also lean the under here.
0: Parker, let me go on and get you this will be our our last one for this one uh, about the Texas Tech and NC State here. Uh, you and I have talked off the air about this one it it is a weird line. it's a weird spot. NC State of course hasn't looked great, but that defense at any point can turn on for NC State. Donovan Smith, of course the quarterback for texas tech i'm I'm questioning uh, you know he he's looked great he's a lot of fun he's mobile, but uh, if if NC State comes after him, could he maybe turn into like a turnover machine? What what, what do you think on this?
2: I mean, he took five sacks and what, through two picks last week. I think I think he's a he's just a chaos vortex. I, I love it though. I think the potential for him to be a, a very fun mobile college quarterback is um, extremely high. And I mean, he he legitimately. I'm gonna say a word that like people overuse. He has a cannon. The dude. I mean, if if Texas Tech catches two or three more balls, that's a blowout against Houston last week. Um they, I mean, even with that offensive line issue. So I wonder if um, I, I wonder that no, I don't wonder this is a fact. Uh, NC state's back half of the defense is way better than Houston's, obviously, in talent wise. And I think their pass rush is going to be way more disruptive against a really bad Texas Tech offensive line. So uh, with the with the uh, volatility on Texas Tech's offense, um, I think that 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 um, uh, I don't know they're going to be sco- able to score enough. That, that being said, I, I'm not really impressed with what I've seen out of NC State. I think they've let teen hang around that have no business hanging around. And so um, I, I would be loath to, lo- to lay points here. But we talked about, Gary, you know, if that defense sacks Donovan Smith seven times and he can't get those balls downfield, this gets spiral out of hand, absolutely. So... um Yeah, I'm staying away just because there is that big uncertainty on both sides of the ball here. I do have this technically as an NC State cover with my my numbers, and I think that's how the median game plays out. But again, the variance here is so big because there's so much if-then, if Donovan Smith is off his game, if NC State's defense is, is a lot better. Uh, not not a lot better if n c state Stevens can make those big plays um and so just because there's too much if then the variance here is really high for me uh slight slight lean towards n c state covering, but that's a, that's a lot of points
0: and that's, you're a hundred percent right hundred percent right uh last one Arbone said, will parker commit to naming his beard if we get to two hundred likes
2: uh no no i, I will <laughs> commit to not doing that i, I it, yeah
0: that's wonderful. <laughs> That's what give yeah, me to yeah, 10, we're, we're not quite subscribers, and subscribers,
2: we'll talk about beards and there stuff. You go. Yeah. You guys give me to 10K and then we'll talk.
0: <laughs> I love it. Uh yes, everybody, we are about to jump into the PICS recap. But go ahead and like the video for us. Subscribe if you have not already. Uh get us up to that, you know, Parker said 10,000. Uh, we're not quite there yet, but uh, but we're getting closer. So go ahead and subscribe to the channel. Make sure that you like the video, and of course, the podcast as well. I mean, just a fun time. We're always having a fun time here. All right, let's do the picks recap here. And Parker, I believe we're going to start off with you on this one.
2: Yes, I am going to go uh, SMU plus four at Maryland. I'm going to go Miami plus five, taking a couple of road dogs um, here this week. Also, slip this in the chat. I'm going to go pizza money on Louisiana with Kyle. I'm going to, I'm going to invest in that game as well. I like that pick a lot.
0: I like it. I like it. All right. I am rolling Vanderbilt plus two and a half at Northern Illinois. I like Kansas plus nine on the road at Houston. And I'm going to take the Washington Huskies, Kalen DeBoer and Michael Penix at home minus three and a half against Michigan State. Kyle, what have you got for us?
1: All right. I'm taking Michigan State and Washington over 56 and a half. The Raging Cajuns of Louisiana minus 11 and a half. And my pizza money bet will be Miami with Parker here this week.
0: I can ride with I'm going to ride with both of you guys on those. I love it. I love it. All right, gentlemen. This has been a nice long fun show and we have hit all kind of records. You guys have been wonderful. Everybody in the audience, uh, Paxton, Arbone, EA, uh, Wet Blanket, Heath, Anoop, uh, everybody else. I, I'm telling you, you guys are the lifeblood of the show. Keep on coming back, jump into the comments. We want to know what your picks are this week. So go ahead and toss them into the comments. We will check that thing periodically throughout the rest of the week and see exactly how the lines are moving, et cetera. That's where we can have our discussion is right there inside of these videos. So go ahead and do that. And if you haven't, go back and check. I saw somebody asking about Purdue and Syracuse. Go on back to yesterday's show. We hit it yesterday. So go and watch that one as well. Gentlemen, I believe it's time for us to get out of here. So let's go ahead and do that. For BetUS, where the game begins, God bless college football. We'll see you all again next week.